0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk to you this morning about value, worth, and identity. But before we get into the message, uh, first of all, whenever we gather together like this or wherever you go and you're being taught the Word of God, you should ask yourself or ask the Lord certain questions. Like number one, Lord, what do you want me to know today? Or what do you want me to learn today? We call that what? Information. Information. My people perish for lack of knowledge. And then also, secondly, Lord, what do you want me to become? transformation transformation you want to transform my life but what am i going to hear today that will help transform my life what do you want me to receive from you today something special by your spirit impartation thank god that there are anointings of god that will assist us and help us carry out the purpose that god has for our lives in all areas of our lives individually in our marriage with our children etc but then next What about this? What do you want me to do? What will I learn today that I can apply to my life? Application. And so it's important that those four questions are asked of the Lord every time we even study the Word. What do you want me to learn? Show me some things you want me to know. I want to become what you want me to be. Jesus gave up his life for us to become what he wants us to be. Amen? And impart to me all that I need to become it. And I'll apply it to my life. Amen? Praise God. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, and we're going to start here, one of the biggest challenges or battles that many face in life is the battle with their value, worth, and identity. And that's what I want to talk about today our value, our worth, and our identity. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Well, that's heartwarming, isn't it? Amen. I see a lot of fanning out there. Is everybody hot this morning? Some said, yes. Others said, don't put on that air conditioning. No way. <laughs> Uh Uh-oh, we got a little bit of a war among us. Well, many ask themselves the question, you know, why am I here? Who am I? What's my life purpose? And what they do is they try to find their worth, their value, their identity, in things like their position that they hold in life. In some situations, the clothing that they wear. And that we can really take far today, couldn't we? The clothing that they wear. Some in their athletic ability, some in their intelligence, some in their wealth, some in this, some in that. And they try to find out their value, their worth, and their identity in these things. Well, what happens when those things come to an end? What happens when my athletic ability isn't as athletic as it once was? What happens when, let's say, the money runs out? Or the good looks. A little change here or there. What happens when that happens? Some people get depressed. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people even entertain suicidal spirits. And how many times have we heard of individuals that were very wealthy, whether they're movie. Um, individuals okay movie stars whether they're athletic people professional sports and they take their lives why because they're basing their value worth and identity on wrong things things that are temporal things that can change they're not Basing their value, worth, and identity on things that are eternal. Things that can't change. Things that will never change no matter what. Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 7, verse 24. And as you listen to what you're hearing today, apply this to your life. Apply this to your marriage. Apply this to your family. Apply this to your career, etc., you see, our career, our position is not really who we are. That's what we do. I may be a pastor, but I'm only doing this. That's not who I am. I'm something more than a pastor. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So that's just what I do. And no matter what your profession, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, whatever. That's what you do. That's not who you are. Amen. Jesus said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the blo- floods came, and the winds blew, and, the beat, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And now notice, great was the fall of it. So we see these two individuals. One is building on solid ground. And the other one's building on sh- shifting sand. So our lives can be built on. Or based on something that is unchanging. Something that will. Let's say stand up to the test of time. And, or we could build it on something. That can be swept away. And you know things can be swept away. In a heartbeat from a person's life. For example, even a person's health, if they're not mindful, can be swept away. And all of a sudden, it's as if everything's been pulled out from beneath them. So Jesus is making it very clear that a wise man will build his life. He'll see his value, his worth, and his identity based on things that cannot change, based on things that are eternal, based on things that will never be swept away. But they will stand the test of time. Look in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. Here the Apostle Paul addresses this. I believe only God's word provides for us the foundation upon which we should build our lives. And anything built on something else, once again, is building on something can be swept away. Taken away from us. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? And how prideful he was. He's the king. He can make laws. He can say what he wants. He can do what he wants. All of a sudden, all that was swept away in a heartbeat. And where was he found? Living like an animal, right? Just like that in a heartbeat. And after he repented and realized that only God can give life. You've heard me say this many, on many occasions. Without him, we are nothing, have nothing, know nothing, can do nothing. And you know what? I have a scripture for all those. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So notice he is saying we can build upon the foundation. But what foundation are we building on? We want to build upon the foundation of Christ. Gold, silver, precious stones. Because we know that one day in eternity. We'll stand before the beam of judgment seat of Christ. And when we do we'll be tried as of a fire. And whatever is gold and silver and precious stones will not be burned. We're going to have a reward. But if you've got wood, hay and stubble that will burn up. But thank God we'll still be saved as of a fire. Well, the value of a thing is found, you've heard this statement, in whatever someone is willing to pay for it. One man's treasure is another man's trash. One man's trash is another man's treasure. You've heard the expression? Sure, we've all heard that. Well, where is your value then? What are you worth? Let me ask you a question How many of you know Michael Jordan? Of Michael Jordan. I'm not meaning you be, eat breakfast with them every morning. but How many of you in this congregation would give up $100,000 for his rookie card? Come on, one. You'd give up $100,000 for his rookie card? It was just sold for $100,000. Okay, $100,000. Would you pay that for it? Okay, uh, what about, let's see, Roberto Clemente. How many of you would give up $432,000 paid for that, for his card? Anyone? $432,000. How many of you have (laughs) $432,000? Okay. No. Number three. How many of you would pay $517,000 for Babe Ruth's card? Now, I understand if you feel you can sell it for more, if you know you can get somebody else to buy it for more than that, you might do something like that. But I'm talking about, is it that valuable to you that you would pay $517,000 for a Babe Ruth card? How many of you pirate fans out there? Don't be bashful. I may be an Indians fan, but that's okay if you're a... How many of you would pay... 2.8 million dollars for a Honus Wagner card. No takers? No? Not one? Well guess what? Someone did. But it was then resold for 3.12 million dollars. You may be a Pittsburgh fan, but $3.12 million for a Honus Wagner card? So in other words, you probably wouldn't think, to, as far as you're concerned, that may be someone's other, other's treasure, but for me, I'm not coming up with $3 million. If I had $3 million, I'd do a whole lot more with it than, than buy a, a trading card, wouldn't you? Okay, stay with me. Before the Civil War, I'm going before the Civil War. During the time of slavery, could be wrong, but I found this is what I can find. The highest price paid for a slave was $2,000 then, which is equivalent to $56,000 today. But that person had to be in their prime and highly skilled in blacksmithing. And so that person was sold for $2,000 or $56,000 today. Isn't that something a trading card is worth a whole lot more than a human life? Think about it. Now, of course, the owner felt as though you're my slave. You're going to work for me. And I'm going to make a whole lot more than $2,000. Right? And that's what he thought. And so that's what they did. But look at these verses of scripture that I have here for you. Look in the book. These are all from the Holman's um, Translation of the Bible. Look, look at these scriptures in, in Romans 1. Paul, a what? A what? Wait, say that again. A what? A slave of Christ Jesus. Called an apostle. Called an apostle. What is he, though? What's he called? But he's a slave. Wait a minute. An apostle and, and singled out for God's good news. Look at also in the book of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, what? Slaves of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Look in the book of James, chapter 1. James, a what? A slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion's greetings. Wow. Well, okay, Paul was a slave. Timothy was a slave. James was a slave. But how does that apply to us? Well, since you asked, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Let's read those. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? And you have a God and you're not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore. What's the therefore therefore? Because you and I were bought with a price. And in context as far as what he's saying here. He is saying, in context of your morality and your conduct, character, behavior, and lifestyle, since you've been bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whom? God's. Whoa. So, in other words, what he's saying to us is we're slaves, we're love slaves. Of a love God, but were slaves. Do you remember the statement Jesus made when he said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Does a slave do what the master says? Sure. Why? Because of ownership. Right? Okay. Well, how many of you think you're worth hundred thousand dollars? How many of you are worth four hundred and thirty two thousand dollars? How many of you are worth $517,000? How many of you are worth 2.8 million? Now we're talking about the women. <laughs> it escalates. 3.12 million, ladies. Put up your hands if you're... <laughs> All right. Look at First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 from the English Standard Version... Or I'm sorry. The the, uh, contemporary English version. You were rescued. From your useless way of life. That you learned. From your ancestors. But you know. That you were not rescued. By such things as silver. Or gold. That doesn't last forever. You were rescued. By the precious blood. Of Christ. That spotless. An innocent lamb. Oh, wait a minute. Can anyone in this room place a value on the blood of Jesus Christ? Can 3.12 million dollars cover it? No, can a trillion dollars, can the national debt even touch it? Can all the silver, all the gold, all the cattle on a thousand hills come close to the value of the blood of Jesus Christ? No? Well, guess what? If his blood is precious and valuable, what about what he bought with it? What about what he purchased with it? How valuable are you that he would spend his blood on you? Let that sink in. Who are you? Who am I? Someone says, oh my, you are someone so special. Someone so valuable. Someone so precious in the sight of almighty God. He spent all his life to get you back. Can you say amen? You want to know your value? You want to know your worth? You can't even comprehend it. So that person that's saying, oh, I'm this, I'm that, stop it. Just stop it. Look in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Oh, my. We can't even begin to calculate the value of the blood of Jesus, let alone our worth. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you visited him. And when you think that through, who's speaking? You think about all the angelic beings. You think about everything out there in the universe, the created world of God. And it seems like as though that God has got his eyes upon the apple of his eyes, which is human beings like you and like me. And he's looking at us and he is saying, they are so valuable to me, so precious to me. What high level in order have we been created that God would spend his life to get us back. No, let me correct that. He would spend the life of his son to get us back. I see fathers and sons all around me here. Fathers, you want them to take your life or your son's life? Your life. Because your son's life is even more valuable to you. And that's why God so loved the world he gave his only begotten what? Son. He gave us Jesus. And so... Your value, your worth, is so enormous, it's incomprehensible. Now, I'm getting to a major point. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. What God sees as valuable, precious, worthy. What God sees as something that He wants so dearly, that He would actually give the life of His Son, He must really consider, in His estimation... Someone of importance. Right? Okay. Well. If that's true. Look at the person next to you. Could be your husband. Could be your wife. You know what? Do we see each other. That way. Do we see each other. That way. And are we so moved by the value and worth. Of the person next to you. That you would never say a derogatory word about that person. You have heard that it was said of that by them of old time. Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool, shall be in danger of what? What was Jesus teaching? He was teaching them, look, as far as you're concerned, you're looking at the external law. The external conduct of a human being. Okay, that's what you're looking at. In other words, I didn't kill her. But I called her every name in the book. And that's how they were. This is, he's exposing their heresy and hypocrisy. He's saying. I know you didn't kill her. But in your anger. You called her this. You called her that. Or vice versa. In your anger. You called him this. Or you called him that. You spewed out all this. And he says. I'm telling you that anger. He's looking at the internal force behind it. It's. On the same plane as murder. Remember he talked about. If you look at a woman to lust. You've already committed adultery. Well you didn't commit the adultery. See the, the uh, Jewish perspective. On the external manifestation of these things. Was this. As long as you didn't commit the act, you're okay. But he's saying, look, I'm raising the bar. It's not just to look. I mean, not just to actually perform the act. It's what's in your heart. And Jesus, how many of you know, he came to fulfill the law and do what? Get to the heart of a man to let them know. You could be angry, but don't sin. And don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. You could be angry, but don't spew out words that are so destructive to the person that Jesus Christ gave his blood for. That he paid so much for. That's what he's saying. Now, when you say to someone you're a fool, you're ta- this here you're talking about their character. But when you say Reka, everybody say Reka. You're saying idiot, nitwit, imbecile. Brainless idiot is one. These are, um, these are words that are coming from interpretations of that word Reka. Brainless idiot, imbecile, numbskull. So he said, look, one attacks the character. The other attacks the intelligence of a person. And Jesus said, if you in anger are spewing out this stuff and directing it towards somebody, you can devalue that person's life. That's why parents, when we have our children that are growing up and we know they can be mischievous, we understand that. We We know that they can do things that get under our skin and we know that. But remember... Jesus Christ shed his blood for every one of us and every child that exists on the planet. And sometimes I think we get to the place that we're kind of misunderstanding the value and the worth of that child's life. And so when parents spew out words from their mouths into their children's lives and saying, You idiot, you'll never grow up to be anything. And how many of us grew up in an atmosphere like that where you were always put down, always put down, always put down. Then you wonder when you grow up, you wonder why. You have a hard time understanding your value, your worth, and your identity. In a marital relationship, we know that people can get upset with each other. And it's so quick and we're so easy to spew out words. You would never say in a professional setting. If you were a clerk at a bank... And you worked, and someone came in and gave you a hard time. I don't think you would stand there and just say, "Hey, nitwit! Hey, numbskull. You brainless idiot! You made the mistake, not me." How many of you think you'd last in your job very long if that's how you addressed people? If you're a professional, then you treat them professionally, right? And even though they may be wrong and you're right, you still don't use those kind of words because you don't want to devalue your customer because they're always right, etc., etc. We can do that, you see, in a professional setting. But when it comes to the home, sometimes, for whatever reason, we let our hair down and we forget about these things. My whole point in our message today, what does he want us to know? How valuable every person is. They may not look like you. They may not have your money, your athletic ability. They may have may not have your possession. But I want you to know every person in this place looking at each other in your home whether the children or whoever they are God wants us to sow some good seed into their lives. God wants us to speak okay you may be doing something wrong but I see you as a success. I see you as victorious. I see you as overcoming. Okay we're having some situation here in our marital relationship but let me tell you something right now. You are valuable. When's the last time you said you are so valuable to me if you're valuable to God you're valuable to me I see you with value I see you with worth I see you as somebody beyond my eyes what they see because Christ sees you so valuable he shed his blood to buy you and listen to this if you're a slave are we not all slaves did he not buy us didn't he pay our ransom so we belong to him what's he say then do what I say then do what I say speak good things because death and life are in the power of the what tongue and so we can speak some good things into our marriage or we can speak some things that over a course of time the seeds we planted yesterday will bear fruit tomorrow and all of a sudden we see things happening either walls coming up and being you know separating us and creating distance in a marital relationship or we see the opposite people coming together realizing how valuable we are to each other how precious we are. See God wants us to be able to see everyone that way. And especially within our homes. Why within our homes? Because that, that's what paints the picture of Christ's relationship with the church. When we see two people together. If you recall like Dell and Mary Cooper. How beautiful. What a relationship. And you know what? Anytime I was ever around either one of them. And Chuck can attest to it. Ruth, all, Anyone that really knew them closely. All they did was speak good things about each other. All he would say is, oh, she's my life. She's everything to me. I don't know where I would be without her. And all she, he was, she would say the same thing. Same thing to one another. Sometimes we don't take the time to just kick back and relax. And, and look at each other. And just see beyond. Okay, I know we all have faults. We all have failures. We all have shortcomings. And especially within the home, they come out even more. But you know what? We should offer more respect in the home. Than even people out there in a the professional world. We should see each other so valuable. So precious that. First of all we want to honor God. By not calling somebody. You fool. You idiot. You brainless idiot. And, and, and nitwit. And all bonehead. And all that. All these words that are here. that are listed there for you. That's the word reka. No matter what a person is going through. Speak good things. And God wants us to see each other as being valuable. Now. Look in the book of Acts, chapter ten. We see, we see this really. And I think if if you could, while I'm saying this, Paul find 27 through 29 also in that same chapter. If you recall, this is the story of Cornelius and Peter in Acts chapter 10, and this is when Cornelius, who was the centurion of the Italian band, and he was the individual that was known for someone that was charitable. He prayed. He gave. He was a very kind person, but he wasn't born again because he didn't know to be born again. And so he offered prayers. He fasted. He gave to people. He helped people out. And God noticed that in his life. So as a result, he has a visitation for Peter. He's in a trance. In that trance, what does he do? He has an angel appear. He has a vision. And the voice speaks up to, to him a second time. What God has cleansed, thou call not thou common. If you recall the, the vision, he saw these animals let down on a sheet. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to touch that. That's unclean. That's unclean. I'm, I, I can't touch that. And the Lord says, don't call common what I've cleansed. Right? And this happened a couple of times. Well, then he goes over to, to Cornelius' house. And when he gets there, of course, he gets direction. He knows he's, what he's supposed to do. He starts to tell them about... Jesus and about what took place in, in the cross and, and suffering in and, and the death of Jesus. Uh, can we move that down to verse 27? And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. He said to them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into the one of another nation, but God had showed me that I should not call Any man, he wasn't talking about animals, common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore for what intent you have sent for me. And that led to his salvation. So if you go back in time, even Peter didn't think that a Gentile could be saved, could be born again filled with the Holy Ghost. And so God was showing him, look, this salvation is not just for the Jews. And he went there and he preached Jesus and the power of God fell. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke with other tongues. But notice how God took this personal. He said, don't you dare call someone even common that I've cleansed. Remember Jesus said, if you even offend one of these little children, it would be better for you to have a noose around millstone around your neck and thrown into the midst of the sea and drowned remember he said that do you think he takes his possession seriously well let me ask you this question you could be among us and I don't know you do you have that card that cost 3.12 million dollars anybody here did you buy that if you did would you just throw it on the coffee table with the children around it eating a snack and the dog trying to get up and get some of the snack is that where you would leave it why it's just a card it cost you 3.12 million dollars i think you're going to keep it in a pretty safe place you know every woman needs to be in a safe place every man needs to be in a safe place have we taken relationships this seriously as seriously as God takes it. See if your wife's next to you. She's not common. Don't call. Common. Or uncommon rather. What I've called. What I've cleansed. She is cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And she is so valuable. To God almighty. That he paid the price. That is in. Without even understanding. that's her value that's her worth but also let me back it up a little bit further what do you say about yourself what do we say about ourselves we can say some things about ourselves Um, my life's not worth anything who cares about me no one cares about me you know we could do all we possibly can to try to invest in other people but you know what there's no one that's invested in you more than Jesus Christ is invested in you no one on this planet and we can do our part but what are you saying about yourself because if you're saying about yourself i just can't get it i just don't understand i'm just who am i i'm a nobody my life is not worth anything you know how many people walk around with that mentality my life is not worth anything not worth anything it's worth a whole lot more than 3.12 million dollars you know, I'm speaking to some young people out there that you're in those those years when you get off into college and that sort of thing, and you know what? You, you're going to get so confused when you go off to college somewhere and you've got these professors that don't believe in God at all. And they're going to try to spin your head with information that tells you things about your life that you haven't learned here at the church or in youth group or whatever. And then they're going to challenge your faith. Why do we have so many people that are out there thinking that their life is so meaningless that... Hey, what does it really matter if they live or die? Then you got those that think, well, I'm going to try to live a better life because when I come back, I want to come back as somebody special. Then you get the other guy that says, I'm going to join myself now so I come back as a bullfrog? I come back as a bullfrog. If I come back as a snapping turtle, I come back as a snapping turtle. What does it matter? Look in the mirror when you go home and say, you are so valuable. You are so precious. There's a, there can't even be a price tag on you. Because you see, to save us from our worthless, useless... Remember those two words in First Peter? From the contemporary English version? To save us from our worthless, useless lifestyle handed down... What's he talking about? Under the law, you can get nowhere. At all. You can't get to God that way. But also, what was handed down from your parents... Your grandparents, your ancestors, what was handed down? We have a lot of traditions that were handed down to us, right? And of course, they are with us. And if you're living in a lifestyle where maybe it's, it's a situation where what's been handed down to you is really not a good thing, you want to get out from beneath that. But some don't know where to go and how to get out from beneath that. If you're in a marital relationship where there's nothing but strife and division and all that sort of thing, I mean, I don't know where it came from, but maybe it came from Your parents or grandparents or whatever. And it's just passed right on down. You know because of wrong spirits. That are taking over people's lives. Beloved there is no reason. There's no excuse. For two people not to be able to have a strong marital relationship. If first of all they just look at each other. And see their value and worth. But let me stop. Let me even go beyond that. For the individual. Husband and the individual wife. Who looks at himself and says. Who looks at herself and says. You purchased me with the blood of your son. I must be so valuable to you that you would do this. And you must love me so much to do this that I owe you my existence. I owe you my life. And so, Lord, I'm your slave. I can stand up here and try to say, you should do this and you should do that. And you should do this and you should do that. That coming from me gets you nowhere. But when the person stands here and says, I Paid your ransom. I delivered you from a worthless. Useless. Eternity. In a lake of fire. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. Serve me. You're my love slave. And listen. I'm not a terrible taskmaster. I love you. And everything I tell you to do is for your benefit. So when I say husband love your wife. like Christ love the church. You can't do that if you don't love him first. Enough to say. I'm going to live my life. The way you want me to live it. And she can't respond to that. Unless she says. And I am committed to living my life. The way you want. Look in the book of Colossians. Chapter 3. If this doesn't say it all. I don't know what says it all. If you then be risen with Christ. Anybody here born again? Seek those things which are above. Seek with intensity. Things that are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you are. What? What are we? We're, we're dead. This old man died. On the inside. It's been raised to newness of life in Christ. You are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Thank God for a wholeness. Wagner and whatever he did to be worthy of $3.12 million. Wonderful. Thank God for a, a Babe Ruth. And he's worth a half. His car's worth a half a million dollars. But brother and sister... You and I, we hit it out of the ballpark, praise God. Our worth and our value is so much that it's incomprehensible that we've been bought with the blood of Jesus. So if I cannot be motivated by that purchase to be his love slave and to live my life conducting myself in a way that honors him, what more can be done? What more can be done? Look, if someone came up to you and just said, how much is your mortgage? I owe about, um, still about another $90,000 on my mortgage. Here's a check, pay it off. Thanks and walk away. Would you feel some sort of something toward that person? Would you be all over him or her or him? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that so much. And every day when you live in that house and you see it's paid for, you're probably thinking about that person and say, oh my, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I wonder if I could do something for that person someday. And because you were treated that way, guess what? You're going to treat somebody else that way. You're going to help somebody else along the way. Maybe you can't pay off their mortgage, but you might buy them a meal, a lunch or something like that. You might be out somewhere and just say, I'm going to pay for that person's lunch because somebody treated me so well. We love others. We love him because he first loved us. But we love others as he loved us. You see when we get this envisioned. In our hearts and minds. And we begin to see our value and worth in him. And our identity in him. Oh my. It will change the way we think. Change the way we live. It will change our conduct. What we do. Because he paid for us to come. Get out of and get free from. A worthless useless life. That would end in a lake of fire. That will end with glory in, in, with him in heaven wow look at uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 I thought we'd get further but we won't but that's okay we'll continue it I am crucified with Christ Paul said nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me is Christ living in you? say it with me Christ lives in me And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. You see, if I stood up here and just said, you should do this and you shouldn't do that and et cetera, et cetera, that doesn't carry much weight. I'm just as human as you are. But when I look at that and I just say, wow, wow. When Christ was crucified, Jesus, I mean, the father saw me crucified with him. And now that I'm alive, I'm alive in Christ, and Christ is living in me. So the life I live in this flesh body that I have, I'm a slave to him. I owe him my everything. And so I have to live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me so much that he gave himself for me. Okay, so what does that uh, translate into? Second Corinthians 5.17, and I'm going to close right here because there's so much here. I pray this speaks to all of our hearts this morning so that when we leave, what do you want me to know, Lord? Well, I want you to know that your value and your worth are incomprehensible. You don't even know your value and your worth. What do you want me to be? I want you to be moved by the sacrifice that I made for you so that it will impact your life in such a way that you could be transformed and changed. What will you impart to me, Lord? This consciousness And this empowerment by my spirit that will help you be aware every time that maybe you're saying some things you shouldn't be saying about someone that he loves so much. Think about this. Why criticize another person that Jesus shed his blood for? If he's not going to criticize that person. What do you want me to do? I want you to do as I did. Treat everybody with respect and love. And speak good things into people's lives. And don't let the devil use you to do what? Devalue another human being. Put them down. But you know they're weird. They're different. They're this. They may think we're weird. They may think we're different. Right? And in marriage. What do you want me to do? Start valuing each other. First of all. Put me first. Then value each other. Therefore if any man be in Christ. If any man be in Christ. Are you in Christ this morning? Raise your hand if you're in Christ this morning. Okay. He is a new creature new creation new species of being that never before existed one translation says old things have passed away all things are of god and they become new and all things are of god so we should start calling ourselves new creations a new species our identity. We're dead. Our life is hid with Christ and God. And this is what God wants us to start doing. I'm a new creation. That old man's dead. Oh, he's dead to sin. Sin has no dominion over him or over me. I'm a slave slave for Christ. I'm going to serve him with my life. I'm going to search the book. Not just to say I read a chapter today. I'm going to search the book to find out how do you want me to conduct myself? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to live? And next time I guarantee you're going to have this echoing in your ears. When you're driving down the car in your car down the highway and someone cuts you off or goes through a stop sign or does whatever to just to get your dander up, you're not going to say you brainless idiot. It's going to hit you so hard. Say Jesus died for you, and so you're, it's a good thing I know that. <laughs> Holy Ghost, get on that person, get him saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Because the blood was shed for that person like it was shed for me. Apart from him I am nothing. Have nothing. Know nothing. I can do nothing. But since I'm in him I want to be a vessel of honor. And I want to share with the world. Praise God. What I have. Because what I have is a good thing. You want to know my value. You talk about proud as a peacock. Walk around with your feathers up. Praise God. Because you are worth a whole lot more than 3.12 million dollars. Let's all stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Christian Assembly Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. Is our heart at Christian Assembly, to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world,